Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament with the book of 2 Chronicles. We made it to chapter 19. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. So, the total person we're talking about is Jehoshaphat. He's the new king and he's the area we're talking about is Jerusalem. So, it lets us know he's and it also says that he's the king of Judah. So it lets us know at this point in the story, um, the kingdoms are divided still. Verse 2. And that's the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Though they're all, <clears throat> excuse me, tribes united um, under one family tree. Verse 2. And Jehu, the son of Halani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. So, as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these. Um, it looks like um, the uh, Jehu uh, is the prophet. Uh, when it says a seer, that means a prophet. That means someone who's believed to be in touch with God, someone you can go to to get the lowdown from God Almighty. Um, whoever you happen to consider to be God, because we've read again and again, there's lots of different entities identified as the English word Lord, though they translate from different entities that people, uh, from other languages that people are worshiping. In this case, Lord is in all caps. It's Jehovah, Jehovah, however, however it's properly pronounced, um, is what Lord is being translated from in this instance, in this verse. Um, and he's the messenger, the servant, the seer, excuse me, the prophet, um, Jehu. And, and there, that threw me off for a second there because I seem to recall there's also a king named Jehu. But um, in this case, we're talking about a prophet named Jehu. He doesn't have a book named after him in the Bible like some of the others, Isaiah, Elijah, some of the others. I'm sorry, all tongue tied. Like Isaiah does, for instance, or Jeremiah. Um, but apparently, he's got a message from God that um, he's letting the king know that he's doing wrong and siding with someone who is ungodly, who's not on the same page as far as religion goes, who doesn't worship the same God he does. He's being accused, basically, and uh, by the seer of being an enemy of the enemy of God. And I'm just going to say God again because it reads as Lord. So verse 3, nevertheless, good things are found in you that you've removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So that lets us know there. See, even though it's translated to Lord from another language, another name, the worship is as God. It's someone, it's them seeing Jehovah, Jehovah. These entities, Baal in some cases, Asherah, Ashtaroth, the Baals constellations they're seeing them as their gods as their um their object of worship who they lean on and call their god their lord even if you don't believe that's god almighty even if they others at their time didn't believe it's god almighty or not it's the lord to them and they're saying in this case um he's done wrong inciting the prophet is letting the king know he's done wrong inciding with anti-godly ungodly people 
going to say ungodly, that doesn't mean they didn't have gods or entities they worshipped also, just not the same one as his. Um, so um, that in that he erred, but the prophet is letting him know there is some goodness found in him um, still in the fact that he removed some of the other religious articles that were around, like the wooden images. And when he says the wooden images, that's those phallic symbols, those big, tall, long, hard in, uh, structures that resemble penises, uh, uh, even in modern cult, uh, times, like the Washington Monument, um, long and hard and tall. For some reason, people like to worship that. Um, and so he removed those, and we've seen they get removed, and then they just get put back up again, uh, generally speaking. Uh, so that was his redeeming um, characteristic. Um, and the fact that he's uh, he himself is seeking God. Verse five, verse 4, so Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord God and their father. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he had a change of heart and decided to seek God. And he's also um, convinced others to turn back to God also and away from um, other religions or maybe agnosticism where they don't believe in, uh, where they have no knowledge at all of a God. Verse 5, then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. So He's turned people around and make them more righteous and also set up judges. Verse 6, and said to the judges, take heed to what you're doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who's with you in the judgment. So I don't know if it's like modern times, I say like the Supreme Court where they swear an oath to God and all that, but then it turns out many of them, at least some of them, are thoroughly corrupt. I mean, people are generally corrupt anyway, but I guess who can be surprised? But the fact that they are allowed to be corrupt without penalty, without consequence, even if they don't happen to be white, I guess that's the, if you want to call it refreshing, uh, that's the refreshing part that white supremacy has black people on the side too. I don't find that refreshing, but I guess some people would. But anyway, he's telling the judges to make sure they stay faithful to God and um, because God's with them in the judgment. Verse 7, now therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there's no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor partiality, nor taking of bribes. So again, taking of bribes is something, I don't know if our current judges from the Supreme Court on down would be found not guilty of that. They and God only knows, I suppose, and the people who've offered them and made the bribes with them. Um, the partiality, you see, that's not the case because, for instance, with Emmett Till, the poor child terrorized and murdered uh, by white supremacy back in the day, and the woman who sort of set it all off with a false accusation allowed to go to her grave without serving a day in behind bars for a false accusation. And not only her, you see the Karen laws came up to sort of uh, penalize um, false alarms, that's already illegal. You really need to create another law for that. And then especially if they aren't going to create use the law, create the law and use it. So uh, they create the Karen law um, to combat those false alarm calls of people pretending to be terrified because black people are doing normal things like walking or having a picnic 
or in the park walking uh, a dog, all those sorts of things. So they create those laws, but then don't actually ever use the laws or the laws that already exist against making false police reports. Uh, if you're the right complexion, if you're a Karen. Try that if you're somebody else, which I don't recommend because you'll get a different outcome almost certainly. Um, so that's the partiality part that um, he's addressing there. And he's telling them they shouldn't be like that. As judges, they're supposed to be fair. Verse 8, moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem. So he's also given some of the elders authority over the, um, uh, the I guess, activities of the people and the way the people are governed, along with the Levites and priests, the ones who are set up for the religious order of the people, of the tribes, all the 12 of the tribes. Now, verse 9, and he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a loyal heart. So he's commanding the priests to be faithful also. Um, I mean, it's a shame you have to tell even the priests that, but he's telling everybody to be faithful to God. Verse 10, I guess everybody needs encouragement at some point, even the priests. 10, in whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities, whether are bloodshed or offenses against the law or commandment, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them, lest they trespass against the Lord and wrath upon you and your brethren. Do this and you will be you will not be guilty. So he's telling the the religious folks to be faithful in their duties and letting people know when they sin. I didn't realize it now, until now, but this is just like I was saying before. The religious authorities of old, since we started reading about them being set up after the Ten Commandments were given, their duty seemed to be policing the people, but religious policing, noticing when the people, telling the people what the law is, laying it down for them, even though they're exempt from it, for the most part, Jesus even calls them out for that. Um, and then citing people when they break those laws and finding people when they break those laws and profiting from the finding of the people for citing them in the laws they break. A racket. Um, that's what is set up. And you see, that's actually sounds a lot like what he's warning them against uh, in these verses, the corruption that you don't have to look hard to see exists in the so-called, in the ju judicial system. It's not really a justice system. Uh, but he's telling them how to avoid that and how not to have that kind of guilt on their conscience. Verse 11, and take notice, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also, the Levites will be officials before you. Behave courageously and the Lord will be with the good. Um, I like that part of the verse too. That's one of my sort of daily verses I affirm faith with. Uh, that last part of verse 11 there. Um, but it's, he's letting them know basically it's a team and we're working together for the cause of God that um, we're going to make sure the people walk the line so that they know what's righteous and what's wicked. And when they and that they know when they've offended and broken those commandments, ordinances, statutes, and so forth. And then also that lets us know, verse 11, by the way, that they're not all the same thing. 
Moses was given 10 commandments. That's all he was given when he was up on that mountaintop twice so that there's no mistaking, only those 10. But then after that, religion hijacks God's, at least tries to, attempts to, and tax on all sorts of statutes and ordinances. And as if that's not enough, then you see what happens after the time of Christ, where all sorts of new things are set up by whole other religions, and not to mention all the ones before Christ's uh, ministry, set up to herd the people into a way of thinking and believing, which is many times, as we see, ungodly, unrighteous, and certainly anti-Christ in the, in the case of the religions that sprung up, cropped up since Jesus' ministry and the times of those. Um, but he's warning them against all of that sort of corruption and wickedness. I guess we'll have to keep reading and see how it turns out since this was the last verse in this chapter, though, that's what we're in this reading. Um, you behave courageously and God willing, God will be with the good. I love you. I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.